Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. This is Aubrey Edwards here with my close, personal, wonderful friend, Tony Schiavone. How you doing, Tony? Hey, buddy. What's going on? How are you? I am doing great. Uh, I'm always doing great whenever I'm sitting here with you interviewing our wonderful talent. But today in particular, we are interviewing one of my uh, one of my favorite talent, but also one of my close personal friends, Fuego Del Sol, master of the Tornado TDT. How are you, buddy? I am doing phenomenal. I'm so happy. I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time, but I'm glad I had to be official before I could get on the official podcast. So I'm glad it's official now. There's like all these like check boxes you had to check. Like, okay, now you're signed. Now you can do this and this and this and this. Like, buy some Jordans, be on a podcast. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Fuego. What's up, Tony? Hey, buddy. You signed full time with AEW. It was on August 13th. It was quite a moment. It's quite a moment for everybody. Talk about that moment and what it meant for it not only to happen to you, but to hear it from Sammy. Friday, August 13th, 2021. A night I'll never forget. The first ever rampage. Uh, it's kind of hard to put into words. It was such an overwhelming feeling. Uh, I remember all day just being excited because I had never even wrestled on Dynamite before. Right. To have over 40 matches in the company and never get to be on TV in that sense, the pressure was already on just to have a good match, you know, just to perform well that night. And then to be shocked the way I was, you know, surprised afterwards. I mean, I just even thinking about it, I get the chill bumps. I get the goosebumps thinking about it because I had no clue. So, you know, a lot of people online like to joke around and speculate and uh, talk about their conspiracy theories. But I had no clue. I was told to, you know, lay there through the break and get the get the reception from the crowd after we come back. And I remember I'm just sitting there trying to look tough as we come back from break because I just went through hell with Miro and Sammy Guevara's music hit. And I immediately turned my head and just overwhelmed with emotion in a sense that. You know, the, me and Sammy had never interacted on screen together, and he's got a, you know, he's a big star in AEW, and I didn't know if they wanted us to ever, you know, be even connected on screen at all. So to let him, my best friend, come out and hand me the contract and do it on one of the biggest stage it could possibly be done on the first Rampage was one of the greatest moments of my career, probably the greatest moment of my career. It's going to be hard to top, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, I will. I will top it. I will top it. I promise. It's only downhill from here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've already got the job. So there you go. I remember finding out, I found out about 10 minutes, like right before you had gone out through the curtain, Sammy's just like, yeah, we're giving him a contract after. And I'm like, oh my God. And I immediately started crying and I look over and you're standing there and I'm like, and I like vanish. Cause I'm like, I didn't want you to see me crying and like think anything. And then I'm sitting there in the commercial break. Like he has to know why would someone lay there for two and a half minutes 
and not think that this is going to be happening. Listen, there was a ton of signs all day, but I was so laser focused on having the good match with Miro that I completely just missed every sign. I went and spoke to the Young Bucks earlier in the day and all they do was touch my knuckles. They wouldn't say a word to me. And I was like, man, maybe the Young Bucks just don't like me today. or What's going on here? You know, there was a ton of signs that I should have known. But all I thought was, oh, they, they, they're going to let me get more TV time? Of course I'll lay that through the break. No problem. Let me, you know, I've never been on TV, so let me get all the TV time I can get. Uh, but I thought nothing of it. And then almost in a sense was the boy who cried wolf is what I tell people, just because I thought in a sense it was never going to happen. I had uh, talks with management a couple months before we left Daly's Place. They gave me a ton of advice of what I needed to work on and do. And part of that was to go out on the indie scene and get better in a sense and make myself better. And so I was fully prepared to do that. And I was fully prepared for when we left Jacksonville not to go on the road with you guys. That was a surprise to get brought on the road for the few weeks that I did. And I feel like the reactions that I got surprised everyone. And I guess enough, it surprised management enough to where it kind of changed their mind and thought, you know, and I understand that from a business sense. I feel like sometimes fans don't understand that. Uh, but when you make, you know, as a businessman, when you, to make an investment in someone, you want to make sure you get your return on investment. And I feel like there was a lot of things to up in the air with no fans. You know, was I, uh, just liked by the Jacksonville audience? Was I just liked by this internet audience? Or was I liked by everyone? And I feel like slowly but surely I was able to prove that and the fans kind of won, won management over in a sense for me. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, Fuego. You obviously made a, a name for yourself on Sammy Guevara's vlog and our fans obviously watch that and, and that's a big part of it. And it seems like that your popularity is kind of like almost like a homegrown thing. I agree. You didn't get popular by being on Dynamite or Rampage or Pay-Per-View because you weren't on there. You got popular because of being on the blog uh, and being on uh, Dark or or Elevation. And, and that's how it kind of started. And that's really kind of unique in this business, really, if you think about it. I think it's very unique. I always joke with people. I was like, yeah, it definitely wasn't the 40 losses that uh, got me liked by the audience. It was it was totally 100% same as law because I really didn't have a giant name on the on the indie scene as well. You know, some of these guys have got to come up on the indie scene and really make a name for themselves. So it's a very unique situation that it was really the vlog that kind of uh, pushed me over the limit with the with the audience and got me so well liked. And I feel like whether it be my personality or not, I feel like I slowly gained the respect of the locker room through my matches and, and, and things like that. And I slowly gained the respect of the people through the vlog. It was just all about winning over management in the end. And I feel like with the combination of everything, I feel like that's what kind of got me to this point. But it definitely just getting to show my personality every week on the vlog. I credit Sammy Guevara so much because he didn't have to do any of this. He's the man with the platform. He was the man with the name. But he's such a giving person and good friend. So giving. Yeah. That, that helped, helped me get to this point. So you you mentioned a little bit your, your losing streak, which you're you know, sorry, no, you're very famous for. <laughs> and we've got fan questions at the end, but there's a fan question here I kind of want to jump into uh, from Jared Goline. With all due respect, I'm a big fan. Who is your favorite opponent to lose to on AEW Dark? Oh, man, there's that's a funny question to have. Anyways, just because sometimes even in loss, you can learn. And I feel like you should try to do that in every situation. And then there's just people that, you know, regardless you kind of enjoy just beating up. You enjoy, you ha you have good chemistry beating each other up. Uh, someone like Ethan Page is a guy I always have to throw up there, regardless of uh, how mean he can be in the ring. He likes beating me up, and I like beating him up when I get a chance to. 
I'll enjoy losing to him any day of the week. Lance Archer is another one. I never got to wrestle him on dark, but there was many a, a nights where I just somehow happened to get on TV because Lance Archer beat me up. So I, I, any screen time is good screen time in that sense. And as well as Brian Cage, another guy who, uh, who is fun to get beat up by if I'm going to get beat up by someone. Scorpio Sky is another one. I tell people, if you can't have a good match with Scorpio Sky, you can't have a good match because that guy can make anybody look good. And he definitely made me look good. And that's people you can learn from while you're in there. And I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. I'm sure I'll get an angry text. But those are the first people that jump <laughs> to minds. <laughs> I love how you say, uh, if I want to get beat up by anyone, I want to get beat up by. Only in pro wrestling, buddy. <laughs> only, only in pro wrestling. Okay, so you debut on Dark during the pandemic, uh, 2020 in June. Uh, your losing streak comes to an end July 6, 2021, uh, when you and Marco Stunt uh, teamed to defeat Ryzen and Baron Black. What did that win mean to you? Oh, I feel like I have to preface this, Tony, because... Okay, do it. Please do. That day, I kind of was not happy. I was not excited about it. I almost felt like it was... Uh, it was just a nice thing on the way out because I, I did feel like with the fans, I gained respect with the locker room. And I almost was like, well, what is the point? Like, cause the audience is going to think this is going to lead to something. And if this is my last moment here, I couldn't almost didn't want to enjoy it. I was so motivated, almost pissed off for greatness is how I like to fr frame it. Right. You know, I was so focused on what's next after this. I couldn't even enjoy the build up to it. Yeah. But during the day, during the match, I feel like it, it, I was overwhelmed so much emotion because when you get in that ring, nothing else matters. I was having the time of my life getting a team with Marco, who I've never teamed with, who's another really good friend of mine. The match was going so well. The moment of hitting the DDT for the win, it all culminated in such a way that that is when I was overwhelmed with the happiness of like, hey, if we're going to go out, what a hell of a way to go out. And then to see the reception afterwards from all the people, the locker room, the love, like so many people in the back and on Twitter from all the fans, it, it, that was the moment that I really could enjoy it and, and, and embrace it fully because I was so upset. I won't even say upset, just like I said, pissed off for greatness to go do something after this and kind of prove management wrong and show them, hey, I'm someone that you should sign. I'm someone that you should have on this roster. And I was so motivated to prove that, that I couldn't enjoy it the day of until after it was after the fact I kind of took a breath, let the adrenaline wear off and soak it all in. And it was one of the best nights of my career at that point. Talk about your decision to wear a Lucha mask and how that all started. Okay. So that's a funny story in itself as well. So uh, I trained down South in Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida area, back and forth with a man named Josh Payne. He kind of broke me into the business and he connected me with the Armstrong family, you know, uh, Bullet Bob. Sure. I unfortunately started training after Brad had passed away, but I have so much love and, and admiration for Brad's work. And so they kind of looked at me and looked at my size and I was even much smaller then than I am now. I started when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. But the way I moved, they said it reminded them of the young Rey Mysterio. And I'd always been a giant fan of Rey Mysterio, but they said, if you wanted to do this, you need to do it right. They think, let me put my, put you in a mask and it'll hide your size. It'll, it'll add a different element for people to focus on instead of your size, you know, because they've seen it with Ray Jr. It'll kind of help you in a sense until you put on the size you need to put on. They won't just see you as this young, small guy. They will see you at least with some sort of it factor with this mask on. But I had to do it the right way and I had to go train Lucha to do that. Sure. And so they hooked me up with some guys in Florida. And then I also got to go to Mexico a little bit in Monterey and train and kind of earn this mask in this name, Fuego Del Sol. I was always a big fan of Lucha Libre, but then 
training Lucha, I fell in love with the culture of it all. And at first, I always thought of this as just a stepping stone. I'll wear it for a bit, gain some experience, and then move on with my career. But I slowly gained some traction and people started to like me. And if the bookings are coming in and the money's coming in, sometimes you don't want to switch things up. And I felt, like I said, I was so in love with the culture that I wanted to continue with it. But I was, I felt like I was pretending to be something I'm not, you know, speaking a little bit of Spanish that I knew, pretending to be from Mexico. I didn't like it. And so I thought I could either switch the mask up or I could try to become something completely different. You're never going to meet another luchador from Mobile, Alabama. No. no. <laughs> and, 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 and it's funny on the surface. I get it. I understand. It's, it's a funny thing on the surface. But once you get in there, you see me work and then you hear me talk and you hear my passion. The business is very surface level. People look at your size. People look at your look. People look at the first, they listen to the way you talk at first. And they like to make assumptions and kind of paint you into a box. But you cannot paint Fuego del Sol into a box. You can't put Fuego in a corner. You know, I'm going to become something new. I'm going to be something different. <laughs> I'm going to be my own thing. I like to say, yeah, I know it's funny on the surface. But Fuego del Sol, the luchador from Mobile, Alabama. Alabama's number one luchador. It's something you've never seen before. You probably will never see again. But I'll be that. You heard it here first. Never put Fuego in a corner. <laughs> Absolutely. I got to use that line. <laughs> that was tremendous. Nobody puts Fuego in a corner. You can't. <laughs> no, you can't. So you had mentioned like your size, and I just want to put you over for a second. You put on a ton of muscle over the course of the pandemic. Got a tan, got a haircut. <laughs> totally changed everything about Fuego beyond the mask and the gear. Like, congratulations, buddy. Really took the job seriously. Speaking of the gear, is there any like set of gear or any mask in particular that you're like, this is is your favorite or this one's really meaningful to you i know right now for those watching the video podcast the one you're wearing is the one that you got your contract in so oh yes let me first say yeah i, I feel like that's i almost felt like i uh, was gonna blow my opportunity when i first got here you know that we were three months into a pandemic and i definitely wasn't in the shape i needed to be in i definitely didn't have the look i wanted to you know look like and i definitely didn't have the gear i wanted to wear at that time uh but i felt like personality and being coachable and being able to take their criticisms and try to work on that is one of the reasons I got to where I'm at. As far as the gear question goes, I am all about new. I just want new stuff constantly, new colors. And so whatever my latest stuff is, is probably my favorite stuff. Ray Jr. is, like I said, I look up to him a lot and he's he never likes to wear the same stuff twice. And I don't have Ray Jr. type of money yet to be able to get new stuff every time I show up. Yet is the key word there. But uh, that's the goal is to be able to rock something new and special every time. I'm all about the new. I want to get I don't like to wear something too much uh, before it wears out as welcome in my house. I'll get rid of it and get something new. So th- I-, I like to always answer that. Whatever I'm wearing most latest is my favorite at the time. <laughs> I always like to get rid of the gear and sell it to get new gear. But this one I might keep just because it's a special. It's very special to me to be able to get my contract because I didn't know I had new gear ready. I didn't know I was going to be on Rampage. So that kind of worked out perfect. And then. I got to do it in my new gear, which was awesome. So this one's definitely special right now. So And it's the latest, so it's going to be my favorite. <laughs> All right. So Fuego Del Sol went by another ring name before he came to AEW. We'll talk about that and about his role in Sammy's vlog. Coming up on AEW Unrestricted. AEW Unrestricted. Fuego Del Sol is on Unrestricted with us. Let's go back to the beginning now. Fuego, who introduced you to wrestling? That was it. Was it the Armstrongs? Uh, not introducing me to wrestling. My father is a giant wrestling fan. So as long as I can remember, I have been watching wrestling. I was born in 95. And like some of my first memories is switching back and forth between WCW 
and WWE and just being a giant Stone Cold fan at the, at the time. And I vividly remember one day my dad was at work. I couldn't have been no more than five or six the night that, that Shane McMahon showed up on Nitro. And I remember flipping back by myself because I was there at home, you know, as a child, just being enamored that, oh my God, what's going on here? Why are they on the same channel? Why are things being... So as far as I can remember back, I've been in love with wrestling and I, and I have younger brothers that were in love with wrestling, but you know, some people go through that point where they grow out of it. And I just never did. I, I felt, I felt like I just, as I grew up through life, I just fell more and more in love with it in the process with it. So I've always been a giant wrestling fan, even so much so that when I was 14, I started my own backyard wrestling federation on YouTube. It was really just a bunch of kids jumping on a trampoline and filming, filming themselves. But, uh, that's kind of, slowly picked up and progressed and gained some notoriety on YouTube right when YouTube was becoming a thing around 2009, 2010 and got so much traction that I started getting paid by YouTube for backyard wrestling around 17 and 18. That's kind of when it kind of clicked for me that, Hey man, if you can make money doing this by wrestling on a trampoline in your backyard, why not pursue this professionally? And so that's when I started looking around for schools and things of that nature. I think it's funny that it's come full circle that like you got your start doing YouTube shows and now like you become popular <laughs> because of YouTube shows. It's like you clearly have a gimmick. So good job there. Yeah, I feel 100 percent that uh, it's, a, it's also how me and Sammy met is because my YouTube channel was so big. He was just starting on YouTube at the time and he messaged me one day and said, hey, will you help me grow my YouTube channel? Uh, and at that time, I was trying to break into the Texas scene and I saw him on a poster literally the week before. So I said, hey, let's if you help me out, I'll help you out. If you get me booked on a show, I'll put one of your videos on my channel and that'll grow your name up. And that way I'll be start start being able to get booked for Texas. And so it was kind of you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back type of thing. And through that, we developed a friendship. He started getting me booked in more promotions. I was helping him with YouTube so much so that now his channel, you know, has grown to the extent that it had. And then when it really come time for him to repay me for that. He got me booked on AEW Dark and it's a full circle thing, but we developed that friendship way back in 2016. And so without YouTube, none of this would have ever happened for me. <laughs> you debuted on uh, Raw against Eric Rowan, cage match, KJ Orso, one six twenty. How did that opportunity come your way? Uh, they come to Oklahoma City. I had done some extra work for him before. I don't know if that was me per se, you know, I think that was just a buddy of mine that I had, uh, that he's the one who got that opportunity, that KJ Orso spot. But it was really just the right place, right time for him, I think. Okay. Okay, for him. Got it. Yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, I think uh you've always worn the you've always worn the mask. Got it. Yes, of course, of course. So I just uh I you know, I remember that day being something of they needed somebody. And again, you know, my reputation of being that nice guy that and you got, and not only nice guy, the guy who listens and can be coachable and be someone that yeah. needs to be. So I, I, uh, I remember that day pretty fondly. They had KJ Orso just constantly practice that over and over again, running up the ramp. But they needed this visual of the cage squirting some red stuff in the face and running it screaming. So, you know, so no mask guy could do it at that time. So he did it. Yeah, he did it, and it was a good payday for him. And uh, he went from there. There you go. Did he tell you how the how that red stuff, uh, how that all came about and how he felt like he'd been being sprayed in the face with it and everything? Of course. You know, there was, yeah, he got took this prop guy and they had this little capsule, you know, in his mouth. And so really he just had to spit it into his hand and rub it all over his face because it couldn't be blood on a PG show. There's no blood. It was just red mist 
red mist, red substance. Red mist. There was a big man that kept saying this over and over. It can't be blood. Yeah. Right. You had to cover your face the whole time to kind of hide it. One more question. And I know Aubrey wants to talk about the vlog here a little bit. Did uh, KJ Orso give any of his payoff? Of course, of course. You know, I, I so you got part of his money that night. It wasn't. It wasn't that great. I remember getting my my first AEW dark check and thinking, "Oh man, AEW is taking care of me much better than uh, that uh, that night was." So I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so what you get for sharing your money with somebody? Of course, of course. <laughs> so you had mentioned your relationship with Sammy had started back in the early YouTube days when you had an established uh, show and he was just getting started and all that. You coming onto the vlog while the pandemic's happening, like how did that whole thing happen? That's another thing. Is just I saw what he was trying to do, and I even back when he had first started the vlog, while he's still on the indies, I would always give him advice with things. And when we were on shows together, it's very hard. It's not an easy job to find time to film, and then you have to get someone to film for you. And I was so supportive of his YouTube and thought it had potential that I would say, "Hey, man, at any point, if you need me to film anything, I got you." So I would film stuff for him. We'd film stuff together. And in return, it just become a friendship where I was just so supportive of his vlog and, and saw the potential in him that I wanted to help him in any way possible. So it was just natural for when he got me booked. Hey, bro, whatever you need me to do, I'm here. Let me help you in any way. I don't need to be on the vlog at all. But, you know, us just being friends, he wanted to film stuff and we slowly established things. And when it, it was more of just a travel style vlog until we kind of got stuck in Jacksonville and there's only so many times you can say I'm on a plane headed to Jacksonville or I'm in a car headed to Jacksonville before it gets boring. And so it kind of evolved in a way over the pandemic. I had really only been coming once a month starting in May of 2020. And then by October, I had developed enough rapport and started this semi-continuous storyline with QT that I got booked every week. And so I was here at every loop of TV and it just become a natural thing to where I was on the vlog. And Sammy realized that this vlog was getting people over and he wanted to help me. And it just by chance happened that Cody one week said, hey, we want I want to be on the vlog. And he thought, well, if there's anybody to get you on the vlog with, I should get you with Cody Rose. Again, just being totally unselfish and helping a friend when he didn't have to. And so me and Cody did a bit together. I think I surprised Cody in a way. He enjoyed uh, working with me that, so much so that we filmed another one and it then become a thing. I felt like he enjoyed it so much. That's also where the infamous Tornado DDT storyline started. On the When Cody does something, he doesn't do anything half-assed. I feel like he fully commits. Right. And so before we did the bit together, even though it was just a small one-minute bit, he Wikipedia'd me online. And looked up a bunch of old stats. And he found this old article from like my first year of wrestling that lists one of my signature moves as a Tornado DDT. And he just ran with it. I probably hadn't even done the Tornado DDT as a finisher in years, maybe ever as a finish. But he saw that on one little wiki, wiki page and he come in and he said something about it. And then Sammy recorded his reaction to my match with Scorpio Sky, again, who would give, who made me look way better than I ever should. But during that, during that match, he said a line where he's like, man, he's doing a lot of moves that aren't the Tornado DDT. <laughs> and so then the following week, I teased the Tornado DDT just to pop Cody. I didn't do it for anybody else. Just, I literally just teased it to pop Cody Rose. And it just snowballed from there so much so that QT started putting it over. Talking about, hey, man, I never want to get DDT by this guy because he can break my neck, which slowly 
turned into something big. But I feel like it was all just being likable, coachable, and showing enough personality that when I got that chance to interact with Cody, I popped him enough, showed him enough that he wanted to work with me some more. And when you're working with an EVP and, you know, some of the top people on the vlog and, and, and get the right people on your side, how can it not go from there? Only It's only up from there, I should say. We got uh, f- uh, we got fan questions coming up in just a moment, but I wanted to get to some fan questions that have to do with the vlog right now. Now, we had one from Spooky Gold Leader Tiffany, and you've already answered that about Cody. So, Spooky, thanks for that question. I think you got your answer on that. This is from Jared Flippin. Jared wants to know, what's the real story behind getting fired at Burger King? If not a true story, how did that become a thing on the vlog? <laughs> Cody Rose, man, he's such a character. Like I said, he, he plays it very uh, straight-faced. You know, he's very serious on TV, but uh, people don't realize how funny Cody can be. And I feel like he got to stretch out his comedic muscles on the vlog. Uh-huh. And he's an unorthodox with his humor, right? It's, it's, he's got a weird sense of humor. I feel like he likes to exaggerate things and just create things sometimes. And so it was true that in November of 2020, my real job, which was at a trampoline park, I was a manager at a trampoline park. They said, hey, you're traveling every two weeks for AEW. It's either us or it's AEW. And at that time, I kind of bet on myself and just said, well, I'll see you guys later. And then I had mentioned it to some of management. And I think he was either talking to QT or someone and QT let him know that I got fired. And for some reason, out of the blue, he's like, oh yeah, from Burger King, right? <laughs> and it was not from Burger King whatsoever. <laughs> but when he gets something in his head, he runs with it and he plays with it. And then when he, when he saw I reacted to it, so heavily that I was never worked at Burger King. He just played into it. But trying to be smart and capitalize on it like I did, I then put out a T-shirt, which I have right here, just, just so happens. It's a, it's a parody of the Burger King logo that says Fuego Del Sol. I love it. And it's sold like, it's sold great. It's like my highest selling T-shirt ever that I ever put on Pro Wrestling Tees. And so I think it was just smart of me to try to flip it around and turn a joke on me into a way for me to make some money. And so we just ran with it. Then I, then I played into it because it was making me money. So there's, that's not the only joke that Cody just started and ran with. He legitimately convinced some people in the locker room that I was 42 years old. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I thought for the longest time you were like way older than me. And I'm like, hold on. Well, I mean, he's got three kids. I mean, that makes sense. Well, I also have to blame Sammy Guevara for this. He's part, he's part of the company because... Cody used him to convince people. Like, Cody was talking to a room full of people. He's like, oh, no, I swear. And he called Sammy to come in. And he's like, tell him. Tell him how old Fuego is. And, of course, Sammy, playing into the joke, just cooperated his story enough to where people legitimately believed I was 42. That's not all. He also started this rumor that I have 12, 17. It just it escalates how many kids that I have. I only have three kids, but three is still a lot to some people. Enough so, like I said, he can just exaggerate and run with it enough. So uh, there's three rumors that have been started about me by Cody Rhodes. And uh, I think they're all hilarious. But yes, that's how the Burger King bit started. Never wor- I've never once worked a day at Burger King. I've never even applied or even thought about working at Burger King. But now it's a part of the lore of Fuego del Sol. <laughs> We're talking to Fuego del Sol about how he never worked at Burger King and Cody's made up all this shit about him. Coming up, we got a lot of very fun fan questions, a lot of questions that I'm also personally interested in learning about. And a lot about Fuego's ass. So uh, stay tuned. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with the wonderful, amazing Fuego Del Sol, recent signee to All Elite Wrestling. We've got some incredible fan questions coming up. First one from Griff Garrison One on Twitter. Ask him if he'll go on a date with my friend, and his name is uh, Griff. 
Oh, man, I feel like I am somewhat aware of that handle. Maybe I've seen it once or twice. But if he looks anything like my good friend Griff Garrison of the Varsity Blondes and of the vlog crew fame, if he has just a fraction of the hair, just a fraction of the great-looking hair that Griff Garrison has, then absolutely I'll go on a date with Griff. Mm. My wife might have something to say about it, but she'll have to understand at this point. I get it, and I think the world gets it. <laughs> Let's go to CM Frick. CM Frick on Twitter wants to know, is Fuego aware of the AEW ass ranking? If so, how does he feel about not being number one and instead going to Griff Garrison? Okay, hold up. I'm going to call bullshit on this list. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank you so much. If Sunny Kiss is not number one on this list, this list is could should be completely thrown out. Absolutely. It's invalid. Mm. It's invalid. It's a li- One fan makes up a list and it's, a couple people ran with it. Here's the deal. I feel like absolutely Sunny Kiss, best ass in wrestling. No debate in that whatsoever. No argument. However, I, a lot of people like my ass for some reason, and it's become a thing on the vlog. And mm. I think it's very <laughs> for funny. For some reason. <laughs> for some reason. You know, I, I feel like I've come across as a very genuine, easygoing, funny guy. I also have this like wholesome personality. There's something about me that I've been told that is very likable by a lot of people. Must be your ass. That's very likable. Clearly. But, but, so just the fact that this ass thing has ran, people have ran with it, and we made it a thing partly because of how <laughs> Alan Angels, you know, sells it so well, of how much he loves it. Uh-huh. You know, I got to credit him a little bit. I think it's hilarious that the life of my ass has took on a life of its own. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next question is also about your ass, so I'm going to skip it. Squeezebox Woman on Twitter asks, uh, what is it like having Dustin Rhodes as your dad? And on a serious note, what advice has Dustin given you that you've taken to heart? That's another funny story, just because we built up this QT match, even though we didn't never know, we never knew if we were ever going to even have a match. We built up this QT match for months and months and months. And then finally in March, I finally got to wrestle QT. And in a sense, I felt like that ended my storyline with QT on the vlog. And I didn't know what was next for me, at least storyline wise on the vlog. We thought, well, why don't we have just Dustin Rose console you? He had just been turned on by QT, and uh, we were both in that same boat of not liking QT at the time. And so he consoled me, and a lot of people thought it was very, you know, fatherly the way he did it. And it kind of just escalated from there. I don't know when or how he called, started calling me his son, and I started calling him my father. But it got to that point. I'm all for it, you know. What a hell of a, a second-generation athlete I am. Behind Dustin Rhodes, I'll take that any day of the week. But he, he gives me a ton of advice. But mostly, I feel like Dustin, regardless of what type of character he's ever had, what type of matches he's ever had, he connects emotionally. And so that's always something he tells me, you know, whether it be with my humor, whether it be with my actions, whether it be with my personality, connect with the audience. Fire it up, show that fire, show that how much you care. And, uh, and that's a, one of the sayings we have. He always tells me, fire it up fired up so just on that sense connect with the people it's not about the moves it's about the emotion and as long as i'm connected with the people i feel like that's the best advice he's ever given me and i'm glad that i have now this great mentor that started as a joke that now is someone i can look up to and text anytime i need for any type of advice very good uh, at barrelis barrelis at b-a-r-i-l-e-s-s on twitter wants to know uh, the fire nation needs to know fuego is it corporate fuego or big money fuego uh, so this is a thing I just, I wore a suit 
the week uh, after I got signed, and I only did. I'd already the first day. <laughs> I'm, I'm smart with my money. I'd already bought a couple suits, and I was having them tailored way before I ever knew I was getting signed. Like I said, it was a shock to me that Friday too, and I was planning on wearing these suits regardless. Sure. And then I realized that day I was like, "Oh, great! Everyone's gonna think, oh, he's got some money now. The check cleared. Here we go, suit fuego." But no, it's not. It's neither. Serpentico started this corporate fuego thing. Matt Hardy and me did a bit on the vlog, so some other people believe this is a big money fuego thing, but I like to call it mucho dinero fuego, okay? I'm mucho dinero fuego, and if it wants to take a life on its own, it can. Uh, <laughs> there's no heel turn incoming, you know, nothing in the plans, but, uh, you know, I like to look nice every once in a while. I've always liked to dress nice. It's just the, now that the dinero is coming in, I can dress the way I w- always wanted to. I, yeah. I'm very uh, smart with my money and frugal when I need to be. And so I never like to do that. And I, you know, I don't think I'm dressing better makes me think, makes me think I'm better than anyone or act like I'm better than anyone. Cause I don't believe that I treat everyone equally, but I like to look nice occasionally. And I love the old school Lucha look, you know, back like the El Santo in the movies, Blue Demon of the suit matching the mask. I think it's a very cool thing. It's a cool aesthetic. And I wanted some pictures took like that. And of course people made it a thing. So I'm gonna run with it. Mucho dinero fuego. I like that. Just to uh, before Aubrey hits me with the next question, I, I saw you at ringside in Milwaukee, I guess, with a tie on. And I went up to you, if you'll recall, and I say, oh, dude, you got a job. You don't have to try to impress anybody anymore. <laughs> and I didn't know that this is part of you, but I think it looks great. I mean, <laughs> I, I think more people should wear ties backstage. I think it'd be nice. Hey, man, when, you, when you're when you looking as fresh as you do, Tony, every week, you know, I'm trying to compete a little bit, man. As smooth as you look back there. I'm trying to get on your level. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> Tony Schiavone in his lavender pants and salmon-colored shirts. I love it. Rocking the springtime colors every single week. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's another money question, actually, since we're on the topic. Jedi Marcos asks, all right, Fuego, give, give us the details. How did you spend your first newly signed AEW check? Uh, I put it immediately in a savings account. I went and bought it a couple more ties to match the mask. I'm not going to lie, I did shop a little bit for some clothes that I like, but besides that, you know, I just, I try to save, you know, I'm, I am planning a trip to Disney World with all of my children. And so that's what I did. I put it back for the Disney World tickets, man. I want to take them to Disney World now that I'm financially stable, at least for the length of my contract. I, uh, I want to do something nice for them. They've supported me and been an incredible support system. So I just want to be an incredible father and see the shock and love on their faces at Disney World. So that's what we're going to do. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. And I think it's great that a guy 42 years old has three kids. <laughs> uh, l- l- let's go to at Donut Shop. Uh, do you feel more pressure to hit the tornado DDT now that it's a thing? Or, or and are you the master of any other moves? Uh, again, like I said earlier, you can't put Fuego in a corner, right? So I never want to be a one-trick pony. I don't want to be a one-trick pony with the tornado DDT. I want to show people I got a ton of moves in my arsenal, not just the tornado DDT. I recently did it just to pop Cody Rhodes. And then it was kind of a wink and a nod to the audience. You know, a lot of times in these matches on dark, they're short. You know, you got a lot of great contracted talent that are just beating the hell out of you really quick. And sometimes you can't get a move in. But if I can tease the DDT in that three minutes, I thought it was always a fun little wink and a nod. But now that I'm getting a little bit more time, uh, we're back on the road. We're getting a lot more contracted versus contracted talent matches on dark. I can show what I can truly do and bust out a lot of moves. And eventually it's going to evolve to not just the master of the tornado DDT, but I'm the master of the DDT. I can hit it from anywhere in a bunch of different variations. So just be on the watch because a lot more DDTs are coming your way in that sense. Wow. How about that? Very cool. 
yeah. Next question from Matthew Hahn. Now that you've been signed, what's your next goal? Are you going to claim a title or is there something else you're trying to do first? Uh, just keep the momentum going, right? I feel like even in movies, you have the storybook ending like you want and then credits roll, right? Sequels sometimes never meet the original story. And I want to be the exception to that. You know, the story doesn't end with me getting the job. Now you get to see what I can truly do. Now the handcuffs are off in a sense. I want to rack up a few wins, get into the rankings and have great matches. You know, I'm still young. I'm still early in my career. And I won't say I'm going to win every match, but I want to impress in every match. I want to bust out something new in every match. I want to connect with the people in every match. So the eventual goal is to win a few matches, get in the rankings, move up the rankings. And uh, if Miro still has that gold by that time, after I get some momentum under my, you know, a lot of people laughed when they saw that one in 39 record under my name and I somehow got a title match. But it was the reason I connected with the people so much is the whole reason I got the job and the title match in the first place. And so with that connection, I'm going to put some more wins together, get back in the rankings and show the world what all I can do. Get in the rankings, get a title, become a superstar. That's that's the goal next. Boom. All right. Uh, J Star Chambers, J Star Chambers on Twitter says, much love from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's got a couple of questions. Who's the gear maker you've gone to lately? That's number one. Also, name the last two songs you listened to. Oh, man. Okay. So I've got a couple questions there. Let's let's unpack that. Um, Danger Snake Designs out of Kansas makes a little bit of my gear, but my main mask maker and gear maker is Sergio Reyes out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, I wrestled a ton in the DFW area. So shout out to him from the DFW. Uh, got much love for them. He's my main guy now. But like I said, I, I, I like to look around. I like to shop around. I like to see I'm all about new fabrics and colors and different, you know, this this holographic color right here that changes from blue to purple, you know, something cool and different you don't see a lot of in wrestling. So I'm all about popping colors. And so we're going to shop around for a bunch of different makers. Uh, the last two songs I listened to, I've been listening to a lot of Kid Leroy lately. Uh, I don't know if, how many, how much people are uh, wearing him. So probably a couple of his songs are the last songs I heard. But I listen to all types of music in all genres. I love all types of music. I can listen to from anything to classical to hard rock to country, anything. But a lot of rapping and pop and hip hop are what I'm into right now. This next question comes from Clarence Pryor. Would you ever challenge me to a dance-off in a Speedo next summer at the beach with Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman, Sammy Guevara, and Alan Angels? Uh, Follow-up question from Aubrey Edwards. Would you let me judge it? If we could film it for the vlog, I'm almost down for anything. Clearly, when it comes to the vlog, it's what's gotten me the uh, exposure and the love that I've gotten so much now. It's got me to where I am. So... If it's funny enough, we've done some crazy bits on the vlog before, so a dance-off wouldn't be that crazy. Now, uh, we have to look at the uh, terms of service for YouTube and, and, and what we can do. So I don't know about the Speedo thing, but uh, we'll, we, we can do something. We can do something. And absolutely, you can judge. Damn right. Make sure you say it's not for kids. Of course, of course. It's definitely. not. <laughs> Not for children. Uh, th- all right, we're going to make it serious now. This is a pretty good question from Notorious KDG. Given that you're a family man, we've established that so far here on this podcast, what has your signing meant for your family? And what things are easier than they were before? And are any things harder now that you've signed? It meant the world to my family. I remember I haven't really shared this much, but 
when I got signed, I got to the back and everyone was congratulating me and I was very thankful and I love all the people in the back that showed me love. But the first thing I wanted to do was FaceTime my family. I just, I was like, hey guys, I got to go to a private corner and I got to FaceTime my family. And I told them to watch that night just because I was going to be on TV and have the first match on TV. Right. You know, I didn't expect them. They didn't expect what was going to happen after the match and getting my contract. So I remember FaceTiming them. The only words I could get out of my mouth were we did it before we just all broke down together in tears. And it was just, it was a very special moment for me, but I could only keep repeating those words. We did it. We did it because I feel like to really make it in this business, you have to have a successful support system, right? If you don't have the right people supporting you and they have been my rock, not only my wife and kids, but my in-laws just helping me with the amount of kids I have. It's not easy. All 12 of them. Yes. I always told them, hey, if you guys support me and stick with me, I promise you it's going to pay off. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I promise you I'm going to work my tail off for it to pay off. And to be able to finally say, hey, I'm a man of my word. We did it. This was a group effort in every sense of the word. We did it. And so I was so emotional. I told people I cried every five minutes that night. You did. I, I won't say I'm a sensitive guy because I don't cry easily. But when it's something I truly care about, I feel like I uh, I live just as much as I love. And if you see me get beat up on dark, you know how big my heart is. So I got a lot of love. I truly cared about this for seven years. I, I worked for this. And I love this so much. And I couldn't have done it without the love and support of them. So it meant the world to me. Things that have been easier. I don't have, I don't have to take as many indie bookings. And uh, my wife works during the week. So her off days were on the weekend. And a lot of times I was gone wrestling on the weekend. So now to have some time, some more quality time together, and not only quality time together, but to have a little bit of spending money to do stuff during that off time uh, is much easier now. Some things, you know, that you have to watch for money wise, I don't have to watch for anymore. And it's a good feeling to have a little bit more quality time with the family. It's a question from what if it's cool? And I know what my answer would be. What kept you going uh, when you continually weren't signed to AEW? And how did you say so positive the whole time? I feel like that's a little bit of cheating because I am, I don't know what it is about me. I'm wired differently. Maybe it's the way I grew up. Maybe it's my family being so positive, but I just naturally wake up on the right side of the bed. I joke around and say, I could go to prison tomorrow and I'd find a way to make the most of it (laughs) just because that's the type of person I am. I feel like part of it was going to school every day. You know, so so many people would go to school and just hate school. And I'm like, hey, I have to be here. So why not have some fun while I'm here? And so uh, that's the way I live life. I'm very good at rationalizing what I'm doing at the moment, right? So even if I have an argument with someone early in the day, I try never to take that and take that out on someone else. I try to make sure I can rationalize myself and have a good time in any situation. I would like to say I'm a quick-witted individual. And so I, I can make myself laugh. Even if I make no one else in the room laugh, I can make myself laugh and I can keep myself entertained. Yes. <laughs> in a way that I feel like I, I can always stay positive. So I just thought about the good things, right? I, there was a lot worse places I could be. You know, even though I'm not signed with AEW, I'm here. So let's look at the positives. Let's, let's not focus on the things I can't control. Don't stress about things you can't control and just work your ass off to be the best person you could be. And that's all I was trying to do. Take the criticisms they were giving me, work on them, be thankful for the opportunities I was getting, and then always looking forward and figuring out how I can use these opportunities and use the criticism they gave me to be better tomorrow. And as long as you have that mindset and you keep that mindset, there's still going to be rough days and hard days. And I'm not going to say I didn't get bitter or frustrated or mad or sad at times because I did. But when you surround yourself with great people, which I feel like I have done, 
they can distract you or say like, you know, regardless of what mood I'm in, my kid can say something to make me laugh or make me smile. And I forget about all my troubles. And I feel like, you know, that's the great part. I have such a great, great people around me, even Sammy and, and the vlog crew to an extent, my, my family back home. I have such a great group around me that they seeing them happy makes me so happy that I can't be mad about my own circumstances. I get happiness from seeing other people happy. And uh, that I feel like is what drives me. It keeps me in this super positive mood. Good stuff, buddy. Uh, Fuego, thank you, buddy. Thanks for being with us, man. Hey, man, this has been great. I enjoy, I have so much respect for you guys. I've listened to this podcast many times on the drive. I'm getting to learn about uh, wrestlers on a deeper level. It's such a cool thing. And I love this podcast and what you guys are doing. So uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of it finally. Thanks. Yes, definitely to have you finally on the podcast because you're finally a part of this roster. So yes, yeah, and as much as, as bitter and as frustrated as I as I was or had been or have gotten in the past, I wouldn't change a thing about my journey and about how it all happened because I feel like it was meant to happen this way. You can follow Fuego del Sol on Instagram and Twitter, Fuego del Sol, and see him, of course, on Sammy's vlog every week Tuesday morning. Does Sammy have a specific time he uploads it? Yes. So it goes up at 1 Eastern, 12 Central. I say it every week. Okay. Because I always complain. I was like, hey, dude, can you put it up at like 7 a.m. so I can watch it on the plane? And then he just laughs at me because I don't think he's even awake at that hour. <laughs> and make sure you also plug this uh, the shirt that I got at shopaw.com as well. It's the first t-shirt that I had put out. It says Fuego's All Elite. So please get that in there as well. Plug, plug. Hell yeah. Fuego's got that AEW merch, not just the uh, Burger King merch. No, I got it all now. You know, we're going to we're going to show them that they're going to get the return on their investment. So let's uh, make sure I, that Fire Nation who supported me up to this point, they, y'all go out and get that shirt, please. You got it, buddy. And don't forget to listen uh, to and follow this podcast, AEW Unrestricted, for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review, too. And check out the video episodes on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. But... Don't forget all our TV shows, right, Albie? AEW Dark Elevation on Mondays on YouTube. AEW Dark on Bing. YouTube on Tuesdays. AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 central on TNT. And now Fridays, AEW Rampage, 10 o'clock Eastern. We're on TV almost every single week. Every single day of the week, absolutely. Absolutely. My name is Tony Schiavone. My name is Aubrey Edwards. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you.